could do. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Beauty Inside Out podcast. And I'm super excited today because we have Dr. Garth Fisher. He's a world-renowned plastic surgeon with over 30 years experience. Of course, he is board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery, and we want to talk about that too. And his office is located in beautiful Beverly Hills. Dr. Fisher is a plastic surgeon who originated and developed the groundbreaking television series, Extreme Makeover. I loved that, by the way. I loved that show. And I like this one too, but Extreme Thank Makeover you. was great which it was really an instantaneous, you know, phenomenon. He was initially, you know, the primary surgeon selected and interested uh, for this hit ABC series. The international television experience and exposure really catapulted this vision to utilize the media as, say, a vehicle to bring plastic surgery and the real information, honest, transparent information, on a worldwide scale. So medical organizations and societies have recognized Dr. Fisher's contrib contribution and the expansion of transparency in the public access to knowledge, thus enhancing the quality of patient care. And this is so important. So you really specialize as a plastic surgeon in aesthetics, cosmetics. You're not on call at the hospital having to get up in the middle of the night and run and put someone's face together after, you know, drunk driving or whatever, right? So you've passed beyond that. I used to do that. Yes. I, I think, don't you all have to do that right, right. In, in the beginning because you do have to do reconstruction. So, um, you know, your practice is an A-list with celebrities, entertainment and fashion icons, executives, royalty, supermodels. I mean, it must be just so much fun to sit in your, in your waiting room. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is most of the time I want their autograph, you know, <laughs> or at least get their picture. Right. 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 Just with you maybe after. Um, yeah. So um, I have my first question <clears throat> to ask you is for our audience who really a lot of them know about, you know, plastic surgery. And that's hence the reason why we say beauty inside out. But tell us the difference between a cosmetic surgeon and a plastic surgeon. Well, you know what? It's as plastic surgeons, we do cosmetic surgery, but cosmetic surgeons, if they're claiming they're a cosmetic surgeon and not a plastic surgeon, that really infers that they have not had uh, the depth of training that we've had. You know, I was kind of old schooled. So I went five years of general general surgery and two and a half years of plastic surgery, seven and a half years of surgery before I start doing plastic surgery on a patient. And, you know, a cosmetic surgeon, you know, a lot of times you can just get a medical degree after medical school and next year start doing, you know, cosmetic surgery. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's not the board certification that you want when you're looking for, um, you know, a surgeon to do your, your facelift, et cetera. Um, that's not to say some people are extremely talented. Uh, there's some that are very talented and I wish they'd gotten more training so they could be more, you know, aligned in a more, you know, appropriate way yeah. and more respected. But, um, you know, plastic surgery and cosmetic surgery, it's kind of the same surgery, but different training. Totally. Usually. I'm so glad you said that. And it, you said it in such a very humble way. I, I know there's been for years kind of like this, 
you know, uh, war between who's really considered what. But I do think it's very important that people know when you're a plastic surgeon, you're doing general surgery, you're taking out gallbladders and you're, you know, all sorts of, you know, real life things. And then you do a fellowship to do your plastic surgery. And that gives you some practice. Then you go out on your own and you really know how to hide the incisions. That's the main thing is you don't want to look done and you don't want to look, you just want to look like a better version of yourself is what I always say. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I have to tell you, Kelly, that, you know, you know, I, I was on the heart transplant team, gunshots, to the face, stabbings, everything. And, and the things that I learned, of course, I don't use those in plastic surgery, except for the maturity you develop and the ability to work under pressure and, you know, and stress without sleeping and things like that, which I get plenty of sleep now, but, you know, it just, it makes you a better surgeon. And so I think a lot of these people that haven't had that training are missing that mm -hmm. and understand what kind of trouble they can get into because they've never had that trouble before. You know, we've had that in trauma all the time, but you really have to respect and understand the boundaries of the human body and medical issues. And I think that maturity and, and that experience is what's really helped me so much in my career. And, and um, so I know they're kind of fiddling around now with the, the times and things like that when people train, but um, that's a, that's a huge difference. There's uh, a big difference. There's... I got to tell you also, Kelly, just because you're board certified, it means you've had the appropriate training, but doesn't mean you're good because it doesn't, it doesn't measure artistic skill, you know, artistic sensibility. Exactly. Things. Yeah. It just makes them, you know, um, really they've they have equal the amount of patience they've done a certain amount of patience and then they're able to take their board certification so yes. board certified is you know it's all relative right you do need to find somebody who's it's really i always say it's in the consultation so let's get into that because cool. you know when you meet a patient the consultation can be very intimidating. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, the Madonna or a top celebrity or whatever. It doesn't matter. They're at a mo their most venerable and they probably are going to only listen to 40% of what you say. You're right. So how do you make your consultation to where you're meeting the patient for the first time and putting the patient at ease and giving them the right information? Um to help them make a, a good decision. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, in a doctor, doctor's office environment, when you're trying to talk about your vulnerabilities and things that you think look bad on you, it's really difficult for a patient. And as a doctor, you just have to be very aware of the surroundings and aware of the comfort you're trying to provide. And most important currency in any relationship we have is trust. It's trust with your patients, your doctor, your wife, anybody, your business. Uh, so, you know, as far as making them comfortable, I mean, I, I sit at appropriate distance from them. You know, I don't tower over them or, get, you know, it's eye level. And, you know, you just develop that, 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 you know, roominess where yeah, yeah. it's comfortable. And then, you know, I'm just there to communicate and talk, not judge and just give them information. And information not only includes the good things about plastic surgery, but also the bad things. And I think that if your doctor you go to is not explaining the downsides, it's probably the wrong choice because, you, you, you know, it does happen. You need to know. Uh, what's what's the end of this bargain that you're trying to sign up for? Exactly. Yeah, you make a really good point because if, you know, every every office is a business and so you want somebody to have, and you also want to choose the right patient. Yes. Um, I've, I've been in situations where, you know, patients have told me something and I'm like, 
I got to tell the doctor this, you know, you know, they, they shouldn't be done because they're talking about how they fight with their husband or, you know, what have you. And that you, you don't want. So it's really, you know, back in the old days, they used to do this intake form. That was a psychology, right? It was like, it was a test to see if you're okay to have it. Now doctors kind of threw that out the window. But I think, like I said, earlier before we recorded, I looked at your website and I love the fact that you have put so much transparent information on there. So before even people can even meet you, right? All they need to do is just read your website and, um, you know, you get a whole lot of information on there because you're super honest. It's not like you just want someone to come in so you can you know, do the procedure on them. You want to educate so they make the right decision. And I think people are super savvy these days. They're going to, you know, do their due diligence. And those are the type of patients that you want, right? That's right. Educated patients is the best. And, you know, after uh, I started the Extreme Makeover, which was a long time ago, it really uh, brought uh, plastic surgery into the forefront, into people's living room. And, you know, I think took the mystery out of it. And, of course, the next year it increases the plastic surgery procedures worldwide by 30%. But because of that, there were so many questions. And that's when I developed the Naked Truth about plastic surgery videotapes. There's six, six of them. They're, you know, one and a half to two hours long each. Very, very thorough. And at, at that point and still today, I think some of the best uh, information on plastic surgery, it's a little bit antiquated now, but it's got all the information that really would help somebody, you know, at least decide if they want to go forward or not. Yeah, I love that. I I was like, this. How old is this? But this the this never changes. Yes, never changes. It's, it's really true because it's still the things you you need to know. It's not like going in and getting a haircut or even yes. getting a tooth pulled pulled for yes. that matter. It's different. Right. right. Yeah. And a lot of uncertainty. Yes, there's a lot of uncertainty, and the hardest part is, you know, even if you've done like the most perfect work that day after is the doubt that's when the doubt comes in so your staff and you and uh, the whole unit of your office is really what keeps that patient confident and secure and feeling okay with the process because they know it ahead of time i want to talk about my favorite subject and that is facelifts because Everybody sees your face for the first time. And this is where we first see the signs of aging in the eyes, um, you know, the, the, the fat redistribution where you don't want it. Um, and you have a couple of, of procedures that you do that seem very straightforward to me. And uh, they're not like the mini or so can you talk about your facelifts and let our listeners know what the facts are, like who's a candidate, who's not, if they're not, what other things they can do. Um, and just talk about your specialty treatment. I think you call it the pinnacle lift and a stem lift. Right. Okay. So, you know, there's some pet peeves that I have to put out first because a lot of media organizations, news organizations, they always want to interview me. And the first question is what's new in plastic surgery? What's the new facelift? Um, and I think that's the worst question to ask really for yeah. anything, because what we want to know really is what's the best, what works the best. And sometimes it's something that's been t- time tested five years, 30 years, whatever it is, but something that's just been out for six months, you know, I've seen in my career over 30 years, I, most of the time, these things are gone in five years. They just go to the side because they just aren't really good techniques. So 
what's going on today is a more of a more of an enhancement in marketing ideas than it is really an innovative technique. Yep. Uh, and so people have to be very cautious of that. I, I really want a natural result. When I talk to patients about face shifts, I say, look, you know, you want a natural result that's going to endure, put you at, you know, the safest procedure you can do. And you want to hide the scars, don't remove, you know, don't, 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 don't distort any hairlines or structures so you can wear a ponytail and things like that. So being natural is very important to me. Um, I am really not a big fan of people that are 25, 30 years, 35 years old getting facelifts. I think it's, you know, I think it's really terrible, actually. Um, you know, you could take a five-year-old kid and pull his face back like this. So that's not to tell you you have, you know, tissue laxity that requires a facelift. But somebody who's got descent of the cheeks, nasolabial folds, jowls, neck issues, and they want to enhance that, um, you know, you have to decide when you want to pull the trigger. And I tell people, pick the time in the next 15 years of your life, you want to look your best, but don't come in with no issues. I mean, obviously the longer you wait, the more dramatic the result, but I think that there's an appropriate time where risk meets reward. And um, that's when you choose to do the facelift. And the first facelift you do should be the one that's most extensive. I don't believe in these two hour facelifts, minimally invasive the last two years, unless you're 75 years old and you're on a lot of different medications and you can't be under anesthesia very long. Yeah. So when you choose to do it, do it right. It's going to be done uh, for 15 years. You're going to be looking better um, the rest of your life. Um, and another thing that makes people look weird is when they start compartmentalizing their face. Um, they did this in 1997. They're doing the lower eyelids 2003. They did the cheeks in 2007. They did the jawline 2012. They're doing this tomorrow. It looks like the wrong lid on the wrong jar. You just look yeah. at it and you say, wow, it's just kind of off. And that's one of the reasons why is your whole face ages. And so, you know, if you really want beauty and you want to blend in where you look refreshed and like yourself, then you have to you, you sometimes take a more conservative but a holistic approach. Um, a facelift will help you with tissue that's fallen down, sagging tissue, extra skin, removing that, elevating it back to more youthful location. A facelift is not good for changing the quality of your skin. That's another procedure we do as an additive. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you bring the volume back up instead of having that rectangular face, you have it back up where it's, you know, more of an apple shape. And, and so you bring your volume back, but sometimes you need filler also just a little bit here and there, but you'll use less of that after a facelift. So I generally tell people who need a facelift, uh, let's do a facelift and you wait three months till everything settles. And then you put the filler in where you might need it if you still need it. Um, I'm not a big fan of doing it at the same time as surgery. Um, I know there's some great guys out there that do it. Um, but if you inject it before this, before you do your facelift, where's it going to go at the end of the facelift that you moved everything. So how can you do that accurate? at the end of the facelift, you're swollen. You can't really do it then. So I think it's just better to be conservative, wait three months and then, then finish it off. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And I'm so sorry to laugh, but that is the funniest explanation that I've ever heard is the jar, the lid on the wrong jar, because people do things to maybe because they don't have enough money to do it all the time or at all at one time, excuse me, or they're just doing it because that's where they see it. And then they're like, oh, I should have done this. Because what happens is if you just do a forehead lift and maybe your eyes, then later on in a couple of years, you're like, I'm not sure what's happening here. So maybe they need a mid or a full face, mm -hmm. a platysmoplasty where you have the bands and mm -hmm. you're constantly, you probably end up spending way more money so you're better off to really do your due diligence, do your research, talk to a few, you know, doctors, get 
really, you know, um, the right information and then make your decision. So, you know, you don't look completely out of order. And, right. uh, you know, the one thing I've learned from plastic surgeons is they do take the face in thirds. And that's really your forehead, your midline, and then your lower face right. and all those things, right. They should be taken to get done together to create the balance. Correct. Yeah. You got to customize, but yes, I agree. I, I just, you know, these people are just looking for little compartmental lifts. It's like a lot of times they come in and say, look, I don't want my neck done. I just want my face done. And you're already seeing neck, neck, neck issues. And then it's like, well, in two years, you're going to need to do your neck. Why don't you just do it all now or come back later or something? And, and they don't understand. And yeah. they say, well, the doctor that did it before did a bad job. So yeah. I 100%, you know, I'm behind you that you stick to how it should be done the right way. Um, not that you can't just do a little bit here and there, especially with skin resurfacing and a lot of the lasers mm -hmm. that they have out there right, because right. they will give you some tightening, right? And they yes. can remove a few age spots. And so maybe you'd start with that and then down the road, see what's going. What is the stem sculpt is, are you using that as with, with platelet rich plasma and like no, a PRP? It's probably the one that I'm doing. I'm, I'm waiting on development of that technique. So I can't really talk about that quite yet, but the lid sculpt is what I do now. And that's, um, uh, that's injecting, you know, fillers in the upper eyelid because I think it makes a huge difference. If you look at the aging eye, and if you look back at your high school pictures, usually people have fullness in the upper lids, and some people mm -hmm. are hooding than others, and some of the hooding is very natural, and you don't want to remove that. Yeah, Claudia Schiffer, she's had hoods all of her life, and you know, even Kenny Rogers, and you'd hate to have somebody look like bless Kenny Rogers a lot hard, but Robert Redford, these people where they had just sculpted that their eyes were just hollowed out, which is not yes. a look, but you go from a fuller eye to a more hollow eye difference, looking at a child, newborn yes. face and going to the nursing home where people are skeletonized. So those areas that you need just a tiny bit of artistic filling, uh, I think make a huge difference in the eyes. Yeah. Because you do, you do look, tired and hold out it's not a it's not a really good look and then some people just have deep set eyes right right, um, right. so that's really interesting and i think there's so i'm so curious about a lot of the stem cell uh just they they put it really uh, the kibosh on it for a long time but it's gradually coming out and we know that you know it's going to be a more positive thing and probably last longer um yeah. So here, here's one for you. I'm going to throw you, uh, this is probably not a curveball for you, but I, I think a lot of men, especially since you just talked about Kenny Rogers, they avoid going in for anything because mm -hmm. first of all, it's, it's really hard because they have so much more circulation in their face, right? So they're a tough facelift or they could be right for the wrong person for the wrong doctor so what's the one mistake men make when they're looking to enhance their appearance um well i'll tell you women are much easier than men to operate on i'll tell you why and facelifts are not really painful they're more of a numb procedure and men don't really complain of the pain but you know the problem with men is um you know artistic standpoint i mean they have short hair so you know you're going to see those incisions a little bit more so you have to be very careful with how those are planned Nobody I operate on, I will try not to lose one hair. I'm not going to shift the hairline and your ears are going to look like ears. So you can pull your hair back in a ponytail. The problem with men is um, a lot of them have high blood pressure. 
And two days after surgery, they're on the phone yelling at somebody, making a business deal. And it's hard to get them to stay down for 10 days and zen. Um, that's the hard thing really with men, but we take care of a lot of men actually. And, um, um, you know, the ones that take care of themselves do a good job. The ones that don't, you know, it's like riding a little bit of a bunkie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've seen, I've seen your before and afters and there, what, there's not a ton on there, but I, what I've seen, what I really like is the fact that they look like them. Yeah. They just look yeah. like them. Maybe a few years younger, they're they're fuller maybe but it doesn't look pulled or tight Thank or you. strange Thank yeah you. and there's a lot of times where you see people men that it's you know they've they do the same facelift that they do on women and it's right. really not and so those men out there if you're thinking of doing a little something it doesn't have to be you know a full-on facelift but you know this is you know you're the money maker most of them right and right. you just want to look good. And there's so many young kids out there, whether it's technology and they're ready to take your job. So you got to look good. <laughs> I wish I could tell you the names of the men I've done that people see that look fantastic. But you know, I'm always kind of envious of my, you know, my dental friends, my dentists and even my dermatologist friends. And people are always coming in. Hey, how are you? And they take pictures, get on Instagram. And I can't really do that with my patient population. I wish I could. But yeah, envious. how do you get away with that? You know, and. Uh, even in public, my dentist friends will be, you know, hi, hi, hi. And then my my patients, I don't want you to say hello to me in public. No, stay away from me. I yeah. Think I had plastic surgery. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So I did hear through somebody, and I'm not going to say who, but there are certain doctors that do that female feminization from, mm. you know, men to women. And mm. so you've been trained in that. That is, uh, I've seen that surgery and it's tough. I don't do those. I don't do know. I've been trained, but I don't do those. Yeah. That's a really tough one. I've it's not seen my it. market. It's not my market. Yeah. I've seen that. And I'm just like, wow, that looks really brutal. You know? Well, um, you know, I think, I think if you're going to do that, that is something that you have to just say, this is my career path. This is all I'm going to do. Um, yes. That's what I feel about that. And, and there's other ways, not just that, but there's other things uh, in that same way. Um, you know, craniofacial and different things that you that you do that with, but that's not not my path. I've taken. Yeah, I I I like that. It's it's like you you stick to what you do best, and mm -hmm. plastic surgeons have all the training to do that. So, um, and I think you're probably at a point where you can really, I wouldn't say cherry pick your patients, but you could just really have the you have the the luxury and the 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 real place in your life right now to really tell people the truth and yes. that is a hundred percent worth its weight in gold instead of going around to you know five different people that all are doing a certain facelift that's in a dental chair you know so um you know i wanted to say a quote in regards to what is you know what the one mistake that men make and i read this on your your website and you said going to a doctor who lacks artistic sensibility to make the right suggestions or surgical changes there are too many mistakes to mention the goal is to have a natural result and surgery on men should be more conservative with that in mind 1000 percent a hundred percent and yeah. i love that it's not a revolving door where you're doing the same thing you know 
Um, could you, you know, kind of just real quickly, because we're coming to, you know, a stop here. What questions, what are the most important questions that patients should ask when they're doing their research on a plastic surgeon or, or on a procedure? Uh, you know, it's hard because, um, and this is not an arrogant way at all, but, you know, we all are very smart. We graduated from medical school, went through a residency, so I'm sure we all can pass tests and do very well on that. But, you know, it's like, if you like, if you, if you got the best paint and the best paint brushes in the, in the entire city and you gave it to 20 artists and told them to paint a picture, you'd have three masterpieces, you'd have 15 that were okay, and you'd probably have a few that were cartoons that just didn't look right. And, and that's the way it is in plastic surgery also. There's some that are more artistic than others, even though you're bright, maybe you can't operate, maybe you can operate and you're not bright. I mean, there's a lot of different things, but you know, I think it's hard for a patient to weed through all that. So I think what you do is you look at before and after pictures to see if you resonate with that type of style, because I think there are stylistic differences. I think you meet with your doctor to see if you've got a, you know, if you've got a, you know, if there's a personality clash, you know, a comfort with them. And I think it's important to know what all the risks are. If you really got to know that and what the recovery period is going to be. And uh, that's the openness that, that, you know, I welcome that. When I first started practice, like, I don't know if I should tell her it could be an infection. If that could possibly happen because you're worried they may not book. But now it's like, please, this is what can happen. Let's we're, yes. we're together. We're holding hands. I'm on your team. Um, so I think that's important. And um, uh you know, it's hard. I, other patients are really good, good people to talk to if they've had a good experience or bad experience. And, you know, there's certainly a lot of, well, and there's, I mean, there's always a possibility that, you know, you get a little extra bruising. There's, you know, I remember going to the body museum where they showed all of your arteries and your, your whole system. Right. And it's like the fact that you don't get bruised more often is, is pretty crazy. It's crazy. So if you take all the right precautions and I see that you recommend, you know, Arnica and, you know, all the things that your staff and you're going to tell your patient are all the things that everybody is should follow. And then you're really going to have a um, a patient who follows all the rules and gets the best mm -hmm. results. Right. So, um, you know, I. I know you're a gifted surgeon and this is really important for patients to make an informed decision and prioritize, you know, the artistic looking at the before and afters, the relationship that they have potentially with you. And also it's managing the expectations because if somebody right. comes in and they're, you know, completely different looking than, you know, um, a famous model and they come in with the famous model and say, I want to look like her. Well, let's talk about managing those expectations. Right. 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 Uh, so I think that's, you know, a key to a lot of questions that, you know, people have and just the expectations. And yeah. I just want to say, I'm so, I'm so grateful that you were able to jump on. I think Thank we're you, really Kelly. right about, right about that time. I'm going to list all of your information in the podcast and then um, please check our May issue. We will have Dr. Fisher in okay. print with lots of information in there as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Thank you, Kelly. Thank Dr. you. Dr. Fisher. Really? It's great. I appreciate the time that you spent with me and for asking me to participate. Oh, we're honored to have you on. Absolutely. Okay. Only the best here. Thank you.
your vote. You're very welcome. You have Thank a great you. day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.